0: Welcome to Delivering the Goods, a podcast that steps into the shoes of logistics and last mile operators. From the latest technologies and solutions to the biggest industry trends, you have come to the right place for everything logistics and last mile. Now, let's get into this all new episode with your host, Mark Babin.
1: Yes. Hello. Hello, everyone. And welcome to a brand new episode of Delivering the Goods. My name is Mark Babin, your host, and it's great to have you with me. Thank you so much for being here on this pod. We will be opening the lid on the growing frustrations faced within last mile delivery processes and most importantly, how operators can minimize these frustrations and stand above the rest as a preferred last mile operator. Of course, with all the complexities out there in logistics and last mile with late packages, lost packages, overly complex processes, we had to bring in an expert who knows this industry inside and out. And of course, we've done just that. He's a Rethink Retail Top 100 influencer, a fellow podcaster, keynote speaker, and globally recognized thought leader. For this talk, we are pleased to welcome Gary Newberry to Shed Some Insights, on all the things going on with Last Mile, specifically when we talk about these frustrations. So without further ado, let's jump into this brand new episode. You're gonna enjoy it. I'll catch you on the other side for a debrief. But for now, enjoy this brand new episode. Gary, thank you so much for joining us today. Very excited to have you. Uh, it's an honor to have you here with us. And more importantly, I'm looking forward to this discussion. We've had some, some pre-discussions on this and it's a fantastic topic. Can't wait to get your insights on a lot of these talks today. So again, thanks for being with us today.
0: Okay, delighted to be here and to share some thoughts and some of them may be a little bit contrarian to uh, the established way of thinking about the whole era of retail supply chains and particularly the last mile. So looking forward to getting stuck in and uh, sharing some, some, some of those views and uh, to see <laughs> how they land with your audience.
1: Absolutely. Let's stir that pot. Looking forward to your talk. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. So so let, let's kick things off and let's begin the discussion by addressing, of course, that not so secret frustrations that we all deal with when it comes to last mile delivery. If we, any of us have had a package delivered in the last two years, you know what we're talking about. So on that point, do you feel like the majority of these common frustrations, many of which I've just uh, mentioned in the opening, but a lot we know about personally, Is that a result of this last two years in the pandemic, the exponential growth that we've seen and just putting pressure on operators? Is that literally them just trying to keep up? Or is there more that could have been done by them and and to reduce these frustrations by now?
0: Yeah, I I think you've hit on, as I say, hit the nail on its head. I think there are three things that are important to think about at this point. The first one is that acceleration you described, Mm that the, the sheer switch of volumes of the the categories that people were buying from you know prior to the pandemic they were um you know doing out outside the home uh category spending you know clothes for the office you know restaurants and eating out that that kind of thing all of a sudden uh during the lockdown restrictions people became much more focused on their home that meant a massive swing in category spending and also the government was often uh, tipping money at people at a fast rate of knots. The US often gave big checks to people. They went out and kind of wanted to to spend that money as a windfall. Yeah,
1: immediately. And the
0: third thing, the most important thing here is, uh, as, as regards to last mile, is the switch of channels from store spending to to uh, doing it all online and and guess what, these became our favourite friends, <laughs> didn't they? Just <laughs> if, if we hadn't if we hadn't used them before, we found out how to use them. And sometimes we stumbled across Amazon, sometimes we stumbled across our favourite brands. But nonetheless, we were using that at a rate of knots, and uh, that acceleration was of trends that already existed. And here in Canada, we were somewhat behind the eight ball, as they say. But suddenly we went from a a, a representation of about two to three percent of e-commerce across the whole of retail to something in the order of about 15. So that's a massive shift. So that's the first one, the acceleration. The second one is, a, when I speak about North America, and particularly parochial, parochially about Canada, we have a very risk-averse nature to, to investments. We need to know the ROI of everything before we make an investment. Yes. So it's like, when when you're in this world of you know, you have a, an overall strategy of where you want to get to, where you want to take as a retailer, where you want to take your business to. And you're surrounded by lots of uh, executives and middle managers going, well, I've got to take this to my boss. I've got to have the ROI. I've got to know exactly how it's all going to work out. It's got to be perfect. Uh, and we're in this world of, you know, we're breaking new barriers. We can look at other countries like the UK, Germany, Austria, uh, China. We can go to and, and sort of get a sense of where this world is going. But still, we're, we're, we've got budgets and RIs and you know capital expenditure and plans and all that kind of stuff that, that stop us from. Uh, Sort of moving forward. And if we think about uh, the, the way that PEs and venture capital have been investing and, and companies have been investing, I think we've got very risk averse nature to, to areas of development around the supply chain and particularly the last mile. And the third element, which uh, like say if that was all perfect, say yeah. if we knew the acceleration was there and we we, we knew this was gonna happen so and, and we'd made the investments, I just think we lack imagination to scale. So we we're very like, well, we're doing the GTA, which is greater Toronto, we'll just do the GTA because it's the biggest mm-hmm. population sector in the in Canada and For for people who don't know too much about Canada, we've got about six or seven major conurbations and a huge amount of white space between them. (laughs) I can be on a plane going from Toronto to Vancouver for five solid hours, be in the same country and there's a lot of that white space, and somebody's got to bridge that gap between you know I'm in Toronto, I want to buy something from Vancouver, and I want it tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> and it's stocked in Vancouver. It, it's a it's a challenging situation. It's not the UK where I came from. You you know normally about four hours travelling from pretty much anywhere. Okay. So if you were centrally based, you could reach most places certainly on the same day. So there, there were three things I think that have um, somewhat slowed down the, the the ability to execute well as this volume increased as this opportunity increased normally we would say that if our sales were increasing, we'd pat ourselves on the back and say, "This is great stuff. It was our budget, and we're doing better than the budget." Let's all go on this. But I think for many people, it was like, "Oh my goodness, it's, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. We're not capable of doing this. Let's run around. Let's 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 uh, you know do the headless chicken thing and uh, try and make something." good out of this. And, and as a result of that, it's inflicted lots of uh, friction into a, a, a process of the online buying experience that should really be quite friction-free.
1: Yeah, it's certainly the the platform for a seamless transition. I mean, as a consumer, we don't see any of the mess going on behind the scenes. We just click buy and expect it to come. It's a simple process. But yeah, you're right. in the fact that there's so much going on behind the scenes that the average consumer doesn't even think about, do you feel like because of these three elements you mentioned, it's just band aid over band aid over band aid right now. Is there, there's no ripping it all off and let's just address the situation. It's just fix, 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 fix.
0: Yeah, it's very incremental. Mm-hmm. There's no big thinking here. There's no being bold, big thinking going on. It's just like, oh, what are they doing? Oh, what looks new demand pattern today? Oh, we need to react to that. How are we going to do that? Oh, let's just run around a bit harder. Mm-hmm. So it's more of, you know, I, I tip, typify this as whatever we were doing in 2019, just, just do more of it yeah get through you know throw a bit more labor at the problem or you know run a few extra trucks get some higher trucks just just put drivers in them just get on with it yeah Uh, not to actually stand back and go where is our business going all right we've picked up this trend we've got to take a view is it going to continue is it going to accelerate was it just going to plateau off whatever it is and what capabilities and capacities do we need to build now to make sure that we're ahead of that curve and maybe uh, we may not be of the size of Amazon and with the huge amount of capital expenditure they've got available to themselves but we can actually create trends in our marketplace but the first thing we need to do is flatten out that friction and do a good job of executing our strategy if we have one
1: Yeah, back to step one, almost before we jump to step 10. And so obviously there's a lot of frustrations and there's a lot of limitations, like you're saying, whether it's the lack of innovation or just this Band-Aid over Band-Aid problems. Um, And there are, in the last few years especially, been an amazing amount of solutions come to market, whether it's products that are software, hardware. um, Anything under the sun has really come to retailers, to logistics, to last mile operators. I think that's part of the problem is again, there's too many things going on and it's just oversaturating uh, an already oversaturated problem. Um, Is there an area that last mile operators should be focusing their attention on and and really ignore the noise on either side of and just narrow in on one area right now that you feel would benefit them the most in the coming years?
0: Well, uh, firstly, I think experimentation is great. Uh, We we need to figure out how you know, if we have a strategy, let's assume we have one, but mm-hmm. uh, we may not be executing it too brilliantly, but to experiment with different ideas, you know, little uh, drones, you know, Amazon uh, six or seven years ago, maybe longer, came out, oh, we're, we're going to do drones. So everyone thought, oh, we need to do drones. Right, <laughs> off we go. Not, hey, that's an interesting. Let, let's get a drone and just see what happens. See if we can break it down and decompose that, uh, that way of approaching the marketplace. Mm-hmm. But it seems to be that, Uh, A technology comes up, whether it's a a shared user platform, like a gig economy platform like Instacart or all these little uh, mobile autonomous little vehicles that run around places like Milton Keynes uh, between certain hours. Uh, We all want to kind of jump to that's the solution. Because we're only thinking about today. Oh, that work! Right, grab that. Let's do it. Rather <laughs> than just trying to exploit. What, what might it look like? Just buy one and try it out. I don't think there's enough uh, attention paid to experimentation. Yeah, and- but in the wider picture. So, sorry, yeah, go right, ahead. Oh, gonna- go ahead. Yeah. Okay, but I think in the wider picture, I think that we need to start working on what are real solutions look like and that solution may be beyond uh, process systems infrastructure even culture and kpis it's much more about how do we interact within our ecosystem how do we collaborate with people that we used to think or have currently thought of as our competitors and one of my big bugbears for such a long time has been who is actually going to provide that national platform for small package deliveries, is it going to be an individual effort by FedEx, UPS, uh, DHL, and all the local players we've got, including uh, a state-sponsored organisation like Canada Post and Purolator versus Amazon at one one extreme? Or Or do we somehow find a way of collaborating, which means sharing those resources so that we maybe pick up you know, collection from a range of retailers in one area and disperse those into areas and only have one carrier that delivers into local neighbourhoods. And I think we're a long way away from that, but we, I keep having to remind people that if I'm – today I'm buying on FedEx and it's coming to my, my doorstep – as I look out my window, I see you know the DHL van, the you know the UPS van, the purinator, you know the Go Logistics for Amazon, and and the other white vans all coming down my very leafy boulevard. That is a great opportunity. That's a big risk competitively. You know we have to be in these neighbourhoods to make deliveries, but in fact, it's a great opportunity that to have, to start those conversations to say how can we work together. Because the customer will benefit if we're able to offer a much more reliable service, much more cost effectively. It benefits the consumer, benefits the retailers. And I I just think we're so far away from that conversation, but we need to get to it pretty fast.
1: Yeah, and start at least exploring it. And like you said, maybe we are a bit further away because the incentive for them... I mean, that hasn't even been worked out as far as I know, like there's so many complexities in that part alone, but maybe they should start looking at it and your thoughts on this as well, but start looking at it solely or primarily as a customer experience point of view now that it's an oversaturated market. Yeah. If, if we,
0: you know, I, I'm a regular shop on Amazon Mm -hmm. and, uh, I don't actually see the driver because it's all contactless. Mm-hmm. And I get to find out you know, when I check on my tracking screen that they've actually delivered it with a nice photograph. So, <laughs> you know, I knew I kind of know it's there. So at one level, unless you're going across the threshold, so you deliver it inside the home as opposed to to the forge, I used to think it really mattered that the, the, mm-hmm. the truck turned up with livery, you know, from Sears, from wherever it might mm-hmm. be, and the driver's carefully carefully liveried. liveried. And had the Sears paperwork, everything was, you know, you, you had a Sears experience. And I think that that may apply in the luxury end of the market. But when it's general good, general merchandise, and the fact that we're doing it contactless, it really doesn't matter who does it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, what you does don't see the guy show up. Is, is my experience of the process by which I place my order and I get updated until the point that it's it's delivered to my porch and and how that works i think that's that for me is a missing piece amazon do a reasonable job of that but i still have to check uh, check on my truck, track track package or whatever the thing is to find out oh it's delivered so don't ring my bell
1: yeah that so real think, time transparency i love that yeah so
0: i i think that organisations retailers you know other, other businesses supplying consumers uh, need to do a much many need to really think about it from a consumer point of view. If I'm not gonna ring the bell to tell you it's there, how am I gonna get give you visibility? And how if it's something valuable, how do I reduce my risk of piracy by making sure that I given the customer Every opportunity to know it's on its way between these windows and as I approach the area, it becomes much more refined so that, you know, it might be between one and two when we start, with, start the day and by the time I get there, it's at 131 because I've delivered it.
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something you had brought up in previous conversations, and it's one that I've reflected on more and more since because when I think about it, to know where my package is at all times and to have that complete transparency to that real-time operation, you know, even to the pictures, there's a few that do it really well with here's where the truck is at real times because that's technology that's out there. Um, It doesn't have to be expensive, off-the-shelf solutions that can do that, of course. But as a consumer... I get the confidence that I know where it is going to be at what time, because guess what? I'm not sitting by the door 24 hours a day waiting for you to get there. I'm at work at the shops, wherever I'd love to be at the shop, say my package is going to be there. It looks like two hours. I know I can plan to be there at that time. So as a consumer, that's vital and a, and a delivery person that can do that would influence where I shop. Because if I had that, that as a last mile operator, say shop XYZ uses this delivery company, and and I know they provide that service, I'm incentivized to use them. So I can see it being vitally important. From your perspective, though, on the logistics side and, and on the operations side, obviously for a consumer, that's great. From a logistics provider, is that just another sort of long tunnel for them to go down? Is it a distraction? Or is that, do you think, the way forward right now?
0: I think it's a way forward. And, and not only do I want much higher levels of visibility and notifications because i uh, you know i don't sit here it, just as you were describing i do not sit there in my in my hall waiting for this thing to turn <laughs> up nor do i sit on my desktop waiting for. you know am i getting a notification i want it very proactive you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, not so sure about the the actual traveling route of the the, the vehicle mm-hmm. i'm not that bothered about that and i'm sure that uh, for those who are uh, criminally minded would find that information very helpful Fair uh, for their little uh, escapades of piracy but uh, i do want to be engaged in that delivery and i also want some options because to, the, to the example you gave me I, i'm somewhere else they told me it between one and two but i've been distracted you know i've had to pop to somewhere for an emer- urgent thing and i'm want to in the last in the last few moments be able to tell the driver through through the app uh, to put it somewhere else to give it to a neighbor or to bring it to me somewhere else I I want you know it would be friction almost a frictionless experience to have all that level of visibility but it would now add value if I could actually uh, displace this delivery to a different location And there may be some limits, it Mm -hmm. must be, you know, along your road, not somewhere that takes the driver off route. But I I want much more, many more options because my my life is, you know, many lives are complicated and you would get distracted by other things going on. And the other thing is not only am I impressed by uh, a place you order and it could be here the same day. But maybe I place the order and I want to define when I want to receive it in terms of which day. I mean, Amazon, you know, you have this one day, two day thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it can be very annoying that, you know, tomorrow I'm away. I'm going to be away all day and I don't want them delivering something which is going to be on my porch all day. I want it the next day. And their systems do work. That they, they release their their, their product to, to, to the network, to, to distribute. They can just delay it by a day. And sometimes um, if you're having multiple orders coming from different places, you can say, do you want it this day, that day, or all together on that day. And it gives the impression that they're they're consolidating it, which is far from the truth. Mm -hmm. But they haven't been very good at executing. I'm not picking out Amazon, but I tend to shop mostly on Amazon. They haven't been very good at consolidating that as a delivery. What they've done is delivered on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday, even though I selected – you know let's do it on a thursday cuz i don't need all, i don't need it that desperately until the latest possible time so i want more flexibility in my options of when i receive the goods and it isn't speed is not the only criteria some, for some things it is and it's it's a it's a driver of these people who think that two hour service is what the customer wants you know like the solutions of instacart and you know mm-hmm, uber mm-hmm. eats and think like that door are all sort of geared up to being able to rush it to your door. Well, that's fine if it rushes to your door, you bring it in and put it in your hall for the next two days before you get to yeah. it. Well, there's been a lot of energy sort of burnt on that to, to just to tick a box. And I think that as we increasingly get more and more conscious of the impact on our environment, I think more and more people will start to say, look, I need I kind of have the need now in terms of the development of that need but I'm quite happy to receive it at the weekend as long as you do it reliably and you can keep me informed as to you know how you're doing that.
1: Yeah that's the biggest part of I think that that whole part is the engagement factor. And I think that's where the big gap is right now, because you're right. There are solutions, but you have to go on there and select it. And it's that big of a pain. What's my account, blah, blah, blah. If, if, if there was an opportunity to, to engage with the delivery, and say, I'm, at, I'm not here, you know, maybe drop it off at the pickup station or one hour later or, or some type of engagement with it in real time. And I guess and your thoughts on this just quickly, but maybe that's where looking at more agile solutions, all in one type systems is where that can begin, because you're not talking about needing all this new hardware or software. It can be, say, from a mobile device uh, on their smartphone or something like this, something that just integrates in to have that engagement experience.
0: Yeah, but there are, I remember, I think it was last year that somebody came out and said that uh, you, we can get it to you in 15 minutes wherever you are broadly in this area. So people were saying, oh, I fancy having an ice cream. <laughs> sort of trivial example, I fancy having an ice cream. I'm in Central Park by this location. Mm-hmm. And they would use the um, GPS coordinates of your phone to send that to the courier to to actually meet you, which wasn't the residential address, <laughs> so there's bits of the puzzle arriving, yep. but it's not necessarily being brought together. So you've got these these massive, well, highly intellectual bits of tech. You know, people writing code, you know, theorising about how this is all going to fit together. But we're only seeing one slight. Just just as retailers are tending to operate on a day-to-day tactical basis you've got almost the same equivalents in 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 the technology area where they're looking at a today problem rather than a much wider problem of you know how is this world developing how do we get speed into this how do we do this environmentally friendly and how do we allow the customer to actually feel that they've got some choices here and they're, they're actually managing the process because they are managing the process but we're just not giving them the tools necessary as a as a completed bundle for them to do that.
1: Yeah, lots of puzzle pieces scattered around, but no one's brought those puzzle pieces to the market yet, or, or as a solution for them to do. You know, you're right, and I think that's where that self reflection for the operators comes in, because they can they can begin that process rather than just chasing the puzzle pieces all over the place. Uh, if you'll stick with that metaphor, that's a really nice thought. I love that. So. I'd love to, I mean, we've spoken at length here about the different ways operators can go. I'd love to touch on as a great way to wrap it up where they should not be looking. The black holes of the the solutions market and and of all these puzzle pieces. For the coming years, for what you see coming in trends, where is the place that operators need to just ignore and not even look at right now?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, Amazon are great at... um, Experimenting and then saying, Oh, look at this great idea, everybody. I'm sure they've got a a strategy of distraction (laughs) because uh, they know retailers uh, are just so single minded about today. Um, I think, in terms of things that operators should avoid, well, let me stand back from this. Uh, I, I, with, within the UK, uh, I was an interim uh, manager, and I, I, I ran uh, an organisation called he- Home Delivery Network on, on the, on the um, I would say the Uglies and Heavy side, the, the two man operation. And I came to Canada being a very strong assets person, and uh, I think it implied in this is where I'm going to go on this. And, and it was only recently I was talking to another guy who was running a, a shared, you know, a gig economy firm, and we had a really it was in, in a almost a keynote speech thing, and we were going back and forwards uh, <laughs> on Zoom in, in that forum. And it suddenly occurred to me is I can't actually get to same day. I certainly can't get to two day, a uh, two hour service if I'm owning trucks, unless I have a lot of trucks. Uh, and if I'm trying to do a national service on basically on on two hours uh, and I think I've got to own drugs, that's a fault in my thinking process. So I have to find some much more flexible assets that i control but i don't own mm-hmm. so the gig economy is is a great is a great outcome from from that way of thinking so that i can have lots of independent businesses especially if it's contactless delivery to porches i have lots of independent businesses which are motivated to do a good job i would i would my blind spot or, or the blind spot i would i would ask people to consider is do you need to own your own assets do you need to run your own trucks if you're a retailer uh, and even as a third-party logistics provider you may have you may be brilliant at full loads and ltl or post, um, part load things getting things around networks but when it comes to the last mile you may actually say i'm going to let i'm going to control the delivery Uh, I want to say, the delivery routing and stuff, but I'm going to get somebody else to do this individual route and that individual route and that individual route. Uh, And they're going to be I'm going to pick on people who are obviously got clean record and blah, 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 but they're motivated. They're motivated. I don't have to measure them in the same way as I would have to measure my own people. Are they achieving a certain hit rate? Are they achieving a, trip, a certain speed, etc. The The fact that I'm loading them up with a workload, a route, which is reasonably um, taxing, they will find a way of doing that. And all we need to do is make sure that they're – acting in a professional manner and not taking loads of shortcuts. Yes, of course. Our, our name will not be on the livery, but it be on all the delivery paperwork. And, yeah. you know, we don't want to get into a situation where we've said, oh, you, you've got to do 200 loads today, 200 uh, yeah. drops today in, in mm-hmm. this area. Uh, and, uh, you know, that comes back because they had to move through a, a, a queue of people waiting for a bus. But beyond that, don't think assets, think more asset light but just controlling that delivery experience.
1: Yeah, it all comes down to that experience because as a consumer, like we mentioned earlier, they don't know the difference. Everything goes on behind the scenes. As long as that package arrives in one piece in good time with good service, I'll shop there again. And I think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. No, a brilliant point to end Mm on Um, really brings it full circle. Uh, So it's fantastic. Gary, thank you so very much. Uh, for this talk lots to take in i've made lots of notes i'm sure the audience has as well so again thank you so much for today it's been brilliant you're very welcome delighted to to share my thoughts and there we have it the end of a brilliant episode a big big thank you to gary for joining us on this episode tons to take away i was taking notes like crazy during that episode i'm sure you were as well If you want to add to the conversation or you have a question about anything you heard, go ahead and reach out to either of us on LinkedIn. You'll find our links just in the description of this podcast. So go ahead and do that. Touch base. Let's connect. Let's chat about all this interesting topics, certainly around the frustrations around last mile operations and the processes. If you have an experience or something you'd like to share, please feel free to go and reach out to us and let's start that conversation. So again, thanks for joining us for this episode of Delivering the Goods, of course, written and produced by your friends here at Anyline. For more information on logistics and last mile delivery, feel free to visit us online at anyline.com forward slash industry forward slash logistics. So for now, keep on delivering the goods out there, everyone. Thank you for all your hard work. And we'll see you on the very next episode of Delivering the Goods.